catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Teachers, as I've always said, are the lifeblood of any school, any educational system, and by extension, every country of the world. Their role is to facilitate learning, and that is why we talk about teaching aids. We talk about teaching the learning environment, teachers training, upskilling of teachers, support structure, and standardization of the process of teaching. The COVID-19 has not only disrupted, but increased the already existing inequalities in access to meaningful literacy learning opportunities. And as we know, a lot of teachers lack meaningful and actionable resources to scale their efforts. With the rise of video conferencing, online enabled classes, classroom apps, and the increased reliance on ICT, the pandemic has been a reminder of the critical importance to upskill and train teachers. The idea behind technology, we all should note, is to advance the interactions and relationships among humans. So how can we achieve this in education? By continuing in the trend of increased awareness, training and retraining of teachers and providing the tools that are necessary to carry out what is needed. In a bid to contribute our own effort to the general efforts, we started this classroom series, which is aimed at equipping teachers and educators with the skills necessary to make an impact in a tech-advanced world, or rather, in a tech-advanced classroom. This is the fourth episode of the classroom series, and I am excited. In this fourth episode, we're discussing what methodology you need to think of when using tech platforms. And our guest, who is an independent educational consultant who promotes creative and critical thinking through digital tools, Karen Walstra, guides us through this episode. Welcome, Karen. Welcome, Tony. I'm excited to be chatting about methodology for me. It's really important. So I'm excited about today's chat. Mm. And how excited are you that we've gone from first to the second and now we're in the fourth in this particular series? Well, I've been honoured that you've engaged with me each of these times and I hope the teachers have really found it beneficial that they'll start using technology meaningfully in their classrooms and not just adding it on for the sake of adding it on or using it as a babysitting tool. I think <laughs> technology can really change the way we work and can really benefit our teaching strategies, but can also really benefit the learners to help understand concepts, to build knowledge, to get them to think more critically. So I really think as teachers, using technology can really transform the way we engage with our students. Yes, for those who are totally new to these chat or conversation about methodologies and teachers, what is a methodology or what are methodologies? What does it mean in the teaching space? So if we think about how we teach, the way that we run our classrooms, those in the simplest forms are methodologies, the methods in which we use to teach our lessons. And so the methodologies can be very varied. So if we think of a traditional classroom, and this can be translated directly online as well, is where the teacher is in the front of the classroom, the teacher does most of the talking, the children listen, they might answer some questions in the, in the discussion, 
But that is one kind of methodology. So a teacher-centered kind of approach is one kind of methodology. And there are many different ways that we can engage with our students in terms of methodologies. Another one which for me is really fantastic is a learner-centered or, or, or student-centered approach. Here what you're looking at is you as the teacher are more the facilitator and the guide for the students, giving the children a range of activities that they would work through. And when they've worked through those activities, you would then be able to see how they are progressing. In a student-centered classroom, you might have everybody doing the same type of activity or your activities might be geared to particular groups of children. So children who perhaps like to learn by doing, you might be doing physical experiments, while, while another child who might uh, feel much more comfortable writing information might start off the activities by doing a written task. That doesn't mean that children who are doing the written don't do the experiment. It means that we can rotate children and expose them to a range of different types of ways of engaging with the content. And so here the student can also be comfortable in asking questions, exploring further, um, and even questioning what is being discussed. Do you want me to carry on with some more methodologies right now or did you have another question Tony? Uh, and let's uh, continue with the you know I, you already mentioned two different types I think of um, teaching methodology so let's just run through yes. um, the list you have let's exhaust them and I hope somewhere I'll find I think my um, favorite I don't know if it's actually a methodology but my favorite would be I think playway I don't know if it's you know play methods uh, or something I don't know yes, if it's, it's yes. is it a method so you could you could use um, gamification and playing as a methodology, yes, where you set up your whole class and that children actually earn badges or points or uh, move up a chart or a uh, sort of gaining um, points or tokens as they move along. Gamification is really, really popular. And that can last for a week or it could be just for a specific project. And for some schools, it works on a whole term or even a year. Whereas children complete different tasks in different ways, they get acknowledged in a fun way and that then builds up towards their leaderboards. Some schools look at gamification as a very individual thing and don't actually compare against the other children. And when you reach different milestones, children then get recognized or get rewards, um, not compared to the other children. Whereas in some other schools, gamification is used where it's competitive. And when milestones are reached, it might impact a whole class or a group of children, as well as having individual milestones. And the gamification could include um, fun type activities in the classroom. It could also include perhaps the marks related to tests or projects or exams. And so you can build that around in a range of different ways, depending on how the school wants to structure it. Okay, uh, you may want to point out to um, two or one, two or three other types of um, methodologies. 
So another one you might look at is perhaps project-based learning or inquiry-based learning. Both of those are buzzwords that we hear a lot of when we're talking about technology today. What project-based learning is where children work on a particular topic project and often that project goes across different subject areas. So the children might have been given um, a task to complete but they would do part of it in mathematics, they might do another part in, in natural science and another part in language. And so the children work in groups and then uh, solve the problem and or produce the, the project that they are working on. And the project outcomes might be really varied. So there might be a uh, speech or an oral presentation related to it. There might be a physical experiment they might have to show or there might be posters that they have to create. So the final product of the project could be a range of different resources. Another really great one to look at is inquiry-based learning. And the focus on inquiry-based learning are the questions. So the learning is driven by the questions that are being asked. You might have an initial question as a teacher and the students might begin researching and finding out what the answer is to that question. But in the journey of finding out, the children would be encouraged to ask more questions. And so you are really developing a questioning mindset of the students, which is very important in terms of coping in the world, in a changing world. If we can keep asking questions and we can keep inquiring, and we keep learning more information. That's exactly what we want from children, to be continually learning information even when they're adults. So inquiry-based learning teaches many valuable skills. One which has become really popular and which you might have heard of is a flipped classroom methodology or strategy. This has actually been happening for many years. If you think of your language teachers in a traditional classroom, they would say, Take your novel home, go and read it at home, and we will ask questions when you come back to class. Well, a flipped classroom works in the same way, except in most instances here, the flip uses videos, where the teacher would give the students videos to go and look at at home or get content mainly from videos, and then when they come back to class, they would discuss that. So a flipped classroom using technology is often digital in terms of videos rather than text. Another really great one to look at is a cooperative learning. And what cooperative learning is where you are working on a social engagement type of activity where the students are trying to solve problems together and they're trying to improve their learning. And within that space, you might use other little topics or strategies or methodologies. So you might do activities such as think, pair, share, where students have to go in and actually work on a, a project, think about it, uh, discuss it with a partner and then share further. Or perhaps looking at the jigsaw approach where you would then have children learning information together and finding out information and then reshuffling the children into new groups and they then have to share information again and thereby building their jigsaw of knowledge. These are just some of the methodologies. There are many, many more 
And as you, as the teacher, begin to consciously think about how you're teaching, you'll be aware of different methodologies that you're already using. You might be using a methodology where the students always have to read the information first and then discuss it. So there are different ways that you can handle it. And there are many different ways that it could be addressed. And whether it's in a face-to-face -face classroom or whether it's online, all of these different strategies could be used with technology or without technology, whether it's face-to-face -face or remote, or whether you're using technology in your physical classroom. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, the flipped classroom method um, where you have to go, it, it, it sounds more like you're giving the student, um, I, I don't want to say a head start when they come to class. So when they come into class, they're like, yes, I already know this. I already know this. And you're like, calm down, take it easy. I'll guide you through. Um, so I, I, I really like that one. That, that is. Yeah, that's very true. And, and that's a real win. When your children come to class with some form of knowledge, it's not saying to them, I'll guide you through, like you, you've just said. It's rather saying, let's see what questions you've come up with. How can we explore more? So you as the teacher can then really build on the knowledge they've already got. But they can build on that knowledge themselves because if other students in the class perhaps have done additional learning, they can add to that as well. So you can use a flipped classroom to be, create a really um, – exciting classroom space. Wow. And while I was discussing with someone um, early today, earlier today, um, the person asked if there's a difference uh, or there are new methods that have um, come about um, through the use of tech platforms or technology. Um, so are, are there any differences when you're teaching with or on the tech platforms and when you're actually interacting with students physically or do these um, teaching methodologies apply across board and uh, there's not particular one, um, one method, you know, fits, you know, tech and online interactions and one fits um, physical um, interactions? I really think that depends on the teacher because you can teach using technology and it could be a video call and it could be really boring just as if a child was sitting in a classroom listening to the teacher and not being allowed to speak or engage. Or you could be using the technology, whether it's in the classroom or online, to really get the children to have instant feedback, like when we discussed when we spoke about quizzes. Mm -hmm. You can do that for children who are sitting in front of you and they've got a tablet or a computer in front of them and they're answering the online quiz. Or you could be doing that on a virtual space. The project-based learning when children are physically making things is always easier if the children are in a physical space. But that doesn't mean you can't do project-based learning in a group. And perhaps the project that they work, I mean online, and perhaps the project that they work online in might be a virtual type of scenario or building that the students would be doing. But you can still do it. You just would have different products and different outputs in terms of that. And as the teacher, if we continually thinking differently, 
about how we can engage with our students. How do we make the online more fun? How do we make it more interactive? That it doesn't have to be the teacher just talking in a traditional way. There are lots of ways that we can get around that. But I suppose, like anything, when we're exploring methodologies, as teachers, we need to keep learning. So we need to keep saying, is there something new? Should, what should I be researching? How do I find new technologies for my students to use so that the learning becomes meaningful? Well, this is very interesting and it's um, very important, you know, keep learning, keep exploring because sometimes it gets to the point where you're, you're used to a particular method or you feel a particular method works and you just stick to that method and keep using that method and keep using. But then you talked about also um, in a class, um, if you're teaching something, you may have to use different uh, methods in one particular um, session. Why should teachers, you know, explore methodologies and use different methodologies um, for classes and for students? Well, our children are not all the same. So if we think about, even if we just think of a group of friends, how different we are as friends to each other. Some are more extroverted. Some like to do things more physically. Some like to read things more. So if as teachers we get to recognize what our children really like and where our children feel comfortable in our classes, and we can start them off in a space where they feel comfortable, in a learning kind of space where they feel that they are really successful, and then move them onto other platforms or other types of activities using other methodologies. You're then building the child's confidence, you're building their strengths, and in that way, you're really getting them to look at the content from their point of view before they're moving on to perhaps a space where they might feel less comfortable. So if a child loves drawing and can do a mind map and explore that way and doesn't really want to write essays, that child would feel really comfortable from that point of view and then perhaps taking that information and writing an essay. Whereas a child who perhaps is a really good reader and would happily read vast quantities of content before making the mind map or using that to make the mind map. So we can be using the methodologies and the strategies in terms of how we're engaging with our students in different ways. So we're thinking about what are the strengths of the children so that they will really feel comfortable with the content. And when they feel comfortable with that, we can then go into higher order thinking because their base knowledge would be secure. Hmm. Wow. And, and talking about the use of these methods in relation to the, the children or the student um, in particular now, so we don't generalize, um, how important is it to also consider the method in relation to the technology um, that the teacher is using or that the student is using? I think that's also really, really important. Sometimes teachers choose a technology just because that's all they know or they don't want to research further. So, for example, a teacher might continually use a form again and again and again, but is actually trying to make a really a collaborative kind of space and wanting children to explore. 
in that instance, they should be using something like a jam board or an interactive whiteboard so that the students can all put their content in, they can all add their comments rather than just filling in a form and answering questions. So looking at what you're trying to teach and how you want to teach it, then finding the relevant technology for what you want it to do is really important. So making it relevant to what the type of lesson you're trying to create. If you perhaps are trying to get children to build their reading capabilities and you want to use a technology where the children are actually using the technology and getting feedback, something like the reading app called Read Along is really wonderful because there the child chooses the book and the child reads and the artificial intelligence in the app then helps the child correct their reading or says to them you've done well. So if you've got lots of children who are working remotely and are not in front of you, if they were using an app like that, you know that the child would be supported through their reading and they weren't just bumbling along through words that they're not sure what they say. So finding appropriate technology for what you're wanting to do is extremely important. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, now, for I, I've had, um, and, and I know this is a more um, connected to the abuse of um, the um, teaching profession, um, some people who are not exactly teachers who maybe have just been and brought in to you know, you know just come teach I maybe mean, because on in some parts of the continent a lot of people like you know teachers actually trained yeah. teachers professional teachers yeah. and when you bring them in and you tell them okay so you know we need to you know craft out based on the kind of students the type of students we have and what you want to teach and what you want to um, get out the end get out from the this particular class what's what methods are you putting and you're like no don't worry you know I really know this you know I know this very well so I, I could just go in and just teach how important is it um how important are methodologies knowing them um and using them um in any teaching experience so just going back to the scenario you created if we are employing people who we know are perhaps training to be teachers or who are interns coming in who haven't, who are not qualified teachers, I think it's really important for those schools to consider having a workshop for those teachers about how that school works, about the methodologies that teachers use in that school, about the technologies that are available. And even if the workshop is that the new person has to go and speak to different people to see what they're doing in their classrooms, I think helping them to equip um, themselves is really important. Often what has, we've heard that has happened for people who have just come in in that kind of space, if they feel uncomfortable, they automatically become um sort of more authoritarian or tell children to be quiet and not express themselves. So if we can put them into a space where people are aware of how they're teaching, I think that's really important. Uh, why is it important to teach them about methodologies? Because if we 
don't. The likelihood of those people coming in and teaching the students the way they were taught is probably very high. And if we think about the vast majority of our teaching experience, many of it or most of it, when we were, well, when I was growing up, and I think in many schools that I've seen across Africa, they're still using a teacher-centered approach. Whereas if we start saying to people, go and learn and explore about different methodologies and see how you can slowly change yourself and change the methodologies and be exposed to more methodologies. And that all comes through reading, through awareness, through workshops, through interaction, so that you are exposed to things. We often don't know what we don't know. So being open to learning, to be sharing ideas, I think that's how we grow more. And if we have individuals coming into our schools, that are not teachers. It's empowering them as much as possible for that environment to really succeed and for the children to really benefit from them being in the classroom. Hmm. Very important points you um, noted. Now, um, we're wrapping up this year, 2021, in a few weeks. And I feel personally that uh, 2020, you know, just went swiftly and 2021 just did the same thing too. Um, uh, how would you describe uh, the ed tech um, sector or space in Africa in 2021? I think in 2021, it's grown a lot more than it did in 2020. I think... Last year, many people were grappling and saying, what do we need to do? How do we do this? It doesn't mean that it's been solved this year. But I think people have had a chance to reflect on what they've done. And you see many more people exploring and experimenting with different technologies um, this year and seeing how um, they could engage with it more. I think they're exploring things like allowing cell phones into the into the schools, um, putting in policies and user agreements for students and parents around social media, around devices. Schools are looking for funding for getting devices into schools and getting connectivity and infrastructure within schools so that if there is um, a need going forward, that the schools would cope better than they did last year. You're also seeing teachers saying we're really under a huge amount of pressure and we're really feeling pressured because even now we've still got schools who are teaching from a hybrid point of view or still have half classes at school and not whole classes. And teachers are questioning around how can we actually make this better for our students? How can we actually get to our students so that we don't have these big learning gaps that we are seeing? So there are lots of questions that are being raised, but I think there are also lots of answers that people are looking for and are trying to find answers for. And you seem to have lots of tech companies popping up all over the show, trying to address and help different scenarios across the continent so that children can get access to education, um, not just in urban areas, but in rural areas as well. 
Would you describe COVID-19 as a needed medicine for the growth of edtech in Africa? Last year, in a couple of my presentations, I spoke about COVID being the perfect storm for education. Hmm. Because for years and years, we'd said to teachers, you need to upskill yourselves in digital. You need to explore the different learning strategies. You need to see what's out there. And so often it was just brushed aside and seen as an add-on and not seen as relevant. And what you saw happening was that you now were forced into a space where teachers had to start using technology because that was the only way they could engage with their students. They had to go on learning journeys themselves to explore it. And then you were forced into the space because of safety and health reasons. So it wasn't a good space in terms of what's happened and the impact that it's had. But from an education point of view, it has made teachers aware of how technology can really be useful and not just seeing it as a negative and not just seeing it as an add-on. Okay. And I hope we don't uh, retrogress. I hope we keep uh, moving uh, forward. Um, so Yes, yes. What are your expectations for 2022? I'm hoping the growth with teachers, I hope it continues. For me, the scary thing that I saw with some schools going back um, and particularly where uh, there were still lockdown levels, you found teachers teaching from a real teacher-centered point of view. They stopped doing group activities. They stopped encouraging discussion because they felt that children were getting too close together or their children should uh, remain apart. And again, it's saying to teachers, let's just think differently. You don't have to be sitting in a little huddle to have a discussion or to collaborate on a topic. You can actually be sitting, uh, facing each other and still be at a distance of one and a half meters. And so how are we exploring that? And then if we're looking at technology, some schools, when they went back, just stopped using the technology. They just went back to pen and paper. And I really, really was saddened by that because what we saw then was children stopping getting the instant feedback. Children didn't get that kind of reaction. So I'm hoping in 2022 that teachers really start saying that tech stuff that we used was really valuable, that it saved us admin time, that it's got us to see the results from our students straight away, that the things that we found difficult, we can improve upon rather than just throwing everything away. The technology world is growing exponentially. We're seeing artificial intelligence growing at a rapid rate in terms of business. And so we need to think about how we're using that within our schooling space. We're looking at coding and robotics becoming huge globally. But in Africa, it's still taking time to get there. So how are we exposing our children to coding? How are we getting them to build um, using micro bits and Arduinos and creating their own little robots, teaching them about mechanisms and systems and structures and putting it all together? How are we making it meaningful? And I really hope that's how teachers start seeing the use of technology that it's beneficial to their students, that their students need it in the world of the future. 
And so really start questioning if they're not getting that at school. And I hope teachers start saying to school leadership who might be saying we don't need it, that no, we do. We really do need to empower our children. And the only way we can do that really effectively is using the technology and exposing them to, uh, to the different types of technology. And then on top of that, saying to the, to the teachers, looking at the way they're teaching, their methodologies, where they're encouraging critical thinking, where they're encouraging questioning, where they're making it fun so children want to be involved and engaged. So looking at all of this as a whole and saying, how do we make it best for our students, no matter what kind of school they're in? Yeah, and also for school leadership, you mentioned them um, just once. Um, how open-minded should they be to technology? Because most times the you know the administrators, those are the home of affairs. They also have a huge role to play to make sure um, that the teachers are also open-minded to using these technologies. Exactly, it is so important that the leadership role, the principal in a school, starts and drives the vision. There might be a parent body or a parent-teacher association or a school governing body association, but the teachers themselves, the school leadership, need to start the process and then bring everybody else on board. And the best way to do this is to decide what is our school's vision? Where do we want to be as a school in three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years? And so if we're wanting to change, if we really want our children to be able to succeed in this really unknown changing future, how are we going to get there? And if we say we're going to get there through step A, step B, step C, then looking at what is step A, what kind of infrastructure do we need at school? What kind of devices are we going to include? What kind of devices do teachers need? What do students need? Do parents need devices as well because we're going to be communicating with parents from a digital point of view as well? And putting in these markers to look at budget, to look at infrastructure, and then plan exactly how it's going to roll out. And when there's a plan, then you can get teachers to buy in and you can get parents and, and children to buy in so that they know where they're going. They're not just spending money for the sake of spending money. There have been schools in this in the past that have said every child has to have a laptop or a tablet and they've made the parents go and buy them. But the teachers haven't bought into the system. So then after a quarter or half a year, parents are up in arms because they're saying, we've bought these devices and nobody's using them. We might have one teacher in the whole school. Why did we have to buy it? So that planning becomes really, really important. And then the teacher development, the motivation of the teachers, showing them how to use it, why they should use it, what are the benefits of using it, then becomes a driving key in terms of making it effective. So yes, leadership is exceptionally important to make the change happen and to get everybody along that course. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, everyone has heard. I am very sure everyone uh, would um, stick to these um, things so that we can um, actually educate ourselves and continue to 
explore how to keep educating ourselves because it never ends you know you from you're a teacher you become a parent uh, you're a parent you have children you know it the cycle just continues like that i've been speaking to an independent education consultant who promotes creative and critical thinking you've seen that also um from the first to the fourth episode of this series and this is a fourth and the final episode of this particular series uh, would have these on the catch-up section of our website and would also have links to the presentation that Karen has made from the first to this particular episode. You can also contact her. Best way is using my website. So the website is evolveschool.co.za and on the contact page over there, are my phone and email addresses and contacts. So evolveschool.co.za is my website. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you very much for the time and the insights shared um, in this series. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, you can also reach out to Karen on because uh, she works with individual schools, educational organizations on long-term planning, educational change, things related to future technologies. Uh, we'll most likely try to get her back in um, maybe first quarter of 2022 um, to talk about new technologies or future technologies and how they relate to um, education. She, she has talked a lot about um, AI and robotics, so maybe we'll do something about that um, in 2022. But make sure you catch up on um, the first, second, and the third episode, how to better engage your students in online classes, how teachers can organize and set quizzes for their students with um, online teaching tools and um, digital interactive talk tools that you can use for your online classes, including this particular one, which is on methodology. Uh, you need to think of when using tech platforms. Thank you once again. I can't keep saying thank you. Thank you, Karen Wallstra, for the series. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. I've really enjoyed it. Do you have any final words? Because this is like the end of the series. Any final words? <laughs> Go and play. Be a teacher and play. Have fun. Once you start loving do using the tech, it just makes your life so much easier. Beautiful. That's how we wrap it up today. I won't say anything else because she's already said everything that has to be said. Thank you. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.